In this episode of Real Indigenous, we discuss relationships, and in doing so, we will discuss intimate partner abuse. If you or anyone you know is suffering from this, please visit the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence Resources page at ncadv.org resources. Please know that there is a safe exit button on the page in case you need to close it quickly. And now, on with the show. All righty, well, Osio and Hawaii, Candace Bird is my name, and I'm Cherokee Kwapa Nosage, and I'm here with my co-host. This is Tully. And my other co-host. My name, Jason, that's my name. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a special guest with us today. Hey, it's Angela. Yeah, it's Angela. Alrighty, well, welcome, Angela. We are Real Indigenous, where we're talking about all kinds of things. Um, and specifically, we are talking about Reservation Dogs, the episode, What About Your Dad? And uh, you were in the music video for Greasy Fry Bread, yes? Yes. Yeah, for Greasy Greasy Fry Bread. And uh, let's get the ball rolling. Uh, something that I have been wanting to talk about and get a little bit into is different representations of indigenous and native women and native Oklahoma women, because because you're not from a, a tribe that was relocated to Oklahoma. You came to Oklahoma through very through other circumstances, but I still think of you as like a very Okie native person. So let's get into what is that like? What is that atmosphere like in greasy, greasy fry bread where we're seeing um, that's our first image that we open up on in this music video. It's a rap song. And of course, he's singing about a common food that lots of our aunties, our moms and probably some uncles, you know, they got some secret recipes for it and whether it's bannock bread or whether it's fry bread or uh sometimes it's called navajo sometimes navajo tacos or indian tacos fry bread is a well-known food in lots of native communities obviously the movie or the music video is meant to be funny but what's it like to get your thing going and just be your bad self in this music video like right off the bat like that's one of our opening images of this episode the whole thing was shot the video was shot in one day and they brought in sterling's actual aunties so they're the ones that are in the kitchen making the fry bread which is was really fun so when we all did our covid tests before being on set they were there at the covid tests and so nice, so welcoming, so excited to be part of it because, you know, it was early on. So we'd only shot the, I guess we had shot the pilot in September and then, you know, who knew that it was going to blow up like this. So we were just, you know, local Oklahomans hanging out, having some good times visiting. They pulled out some of the girls to be dancers, you know, me being the short little inuk, I was not one of them pulled out much taller ladies who did an amazing job. They totally rocked it. I don't know that we really knew what was happening at the time. You know, we went through wardrobe, went through hair and makeup. So I showed up with our Native Crossroads t-shirt trying to represent Native Crossroads, the film festival that happens in Norman. I guess the funny thing is that they we didn't have any fried bread to eat. <laughs> what? Wait, hold on. Time out. What happened now? How come you got fried bread? Wait. So we were in holding, right? 
and you know they were pulling people out for different parts of of the video and lunch came along and they're like hey everybody come out there's a truck so we get out there and I don't know who it was I think he was a local barbecue guy it was amazing delicious and no fried bread so we're walking back through holding and then there's like this plate of fry bread and it's kind of dark. Everybody's like, oh, dang, there's the fry bread. And our department is like, no, 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 no. There's gold glitter all <laughs> over it. Mm-hmm. And it's been like shellacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ew. everybody's I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, 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 don't. No, that's not for eating. That's for looking. <laughs> there's a stunt fry bread. <laughs> exactly they had us in we were in a like an old school room there was a stage that went in where the performer was you know then we moved around to different locations and kind of finished out in this parking lot with all the old cars the really cool cars and then we each had like our own 15 seconds of you know go through do something real quick and then move on out. You know, Cindy Freeland was directing it. So she had us all in line and anybody who wanted to get out there and pop and lock or whatever could get out there and strut your stuff. That was fun. It was fun to watch everybody have their own little dance style. I think it was an important visual representation of the fact that we are contemporaries. We are part of this time. We, we don't always do ceremonial dances. We also like to get out there shake her booty and have some fun, hang out with some cool cars and just laugh and have a good time just like everybody else. So yeah, it was a very oaky feel. And yeah, my, my people may be from the Arctic Circle, but I'm pretty much born and raised here. So I figure I fit in okay. <laughs> yeah, and you do. Although the first time, I will say the first time that I had Bannock in Alaska, I was like, wait a minute, this is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> this is not greasy fry bread. I don't know what y'all did to it, but no, no, no. I wish I could make actual fry bread for you, but I still have not learned how to do that successfully. (laughs) Angela, how did you end up in Oklahoma? It's an interesting story. My birth family, my birth parents met in Point Hope. My birth mom got sent to Kansas for a vacation, a nine-month vacation, and somehow we still don't know how ended up delivering in Oklahoma city with Catholic charities, but her grandparents were from Kansas. So she went to live with them. But since we've lost both birth parents, we still don't know quite how she went from Kansas to Oklahoma city to have me. And then my mom and dad, dad is Western Delaware worked for the BIA and they had a little brown baby available, so they called him. And so the rest is history. Aww. So we started out in Anadarko. Uh, started out in Anadarko, yeah. <laughs> She's a Dodge girl. Oh, well. rough, <laughs> rough and rugged. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh my gosh, my mom's worked so hard to get us to stop saying A hey, after everything. oh dang (laughs) then we ended up on the southern Ute reservation in colorado for a hot minute and then ended up in shawnee at the shawnee agency one thing that i i like about the music video i feel like we get to see a snapshot of all kinds of um different of different native women you know um that we're not all all a, a monolith you know uh but it's very oaky very oaky native type of style and then um 
I think we get to see, I think we get to see a little bit more of that with, with the mom's uh, storyline as we launch uh, into the rest of the episode about how Native women are not all the same. We don't all look the same. We come in all different skin colors and different sizes. And I love that. It felt like that was, it felt like a, like a little celebration of like, you know, of just Native women having fun and of course native people in general and you, you all looked like you were having fun and i'm like dang that looked like a fun dance party <laughs> it really was the artist is i followed him in from crew parking had no idea who he was i mean not until he you know got into all of his costume mm-hmm. i guess you'd say and then you know he had brought his family with him and so his kids were there, you know, and at the end, it was really fun because Sydney had everybody, you know, doing this and everybody was wearing their cool, you know, t-shirts and activism kind of running rampant through there. And there, there was just a lot of high energy. It was a gorgeous day. Yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. Even the crew, they got the crew out there and got them dancing around. So hair and makeup, art department, everybody got out there just jamming. And, you know, they just kept, kept rolling. I bet the editor had a lot of fun going through watching all of us crazy dances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my understanding of that music video was that um, Hype Freeman, <laughs> as he was called, was <laughs> wanting to do like, uh, uh, who was the rap, whose name was Hype Williams, right? Who did the videos back in the 90s of a lot of rap musicians. So how, had wanted to have that vibe of that of the Hype, Hype Williams kind of music video. And so what I understand is that they weren't originally planning to do the music video, but like about the last minute they said, well, if we're just gonna shoot parts of that music video, why don't we just shoot the full music video? And they went out to shoot this whole thing and that's how you guys got involved. And, and, and also I think one of the, what I've understood is that uh, when they hired- The actor who is also a rapper, his, his name's Stinjati. When they hired him, they told him what he was going to be doing, that he was going to do this music video about fry bread. And he had actually recorded the, the music, like, right after he was hired. And so they said, well, we might as well just do a music video. So so it's kind of crazy how that kind of fell into place like that, because it's a catchy tune. You know, it's like, I, I'm like, like I'm, everybody I know who's seen the show is like, you know, are making fry bread or singing greasy fry bread, greasy, greasy fry bread, you know. So so that's kind of cool to know and get that idea of what you guys, how you guys got into it, too. And so you didn't even know what the hell was going to going to happen. Right. You were just out there. Dancing no idea. Dancing. <laughs> OK, but they had the music playing right in the background while you were dancing. They did. They did. And yeah, that's an earworm, you know, greasy fry, you know, towards the end, everybody was just greasy fry bread, greasy, greasy yeah. fry bread. <laughs> so from now on, I think his name's just going to be Punkin' Lusty, right? I mean, nobody's going to know his real name <laughs> ever. Isn't that, isn't that also like a joke, like that name Lusty? Like, I didn't know if that was a callback to a 1491 joke or not. Some of the stuff I've read is like, like when they were sitting around in the writing room, they were trying to figure out what the name would be. And they said, they said, oh, I have a cousin named Pumpkin. What about Pumpkin? And I said, really? I got a cousin named Pumpkin, too. And everybody started talking about pumpkins they knew or people that they grew up with who were called Pumpkin. And so they decided, all right, his name has to be Pumpkin. Let's move on into the further into the episode. So um, I like that we get to see more of um, of the mom's character and her little her little uh, her lights, her Oh, what would you call it? It's that trope of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. 
Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Where you've got one that's like uh, trying to tell you to do the right thing or the good thing. And the other, the other one, the devil's like, no, nah, just, just F it up, F stuff up and just go for it. So we know that um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, is uh, fatherhood like portrayals. Like we we're going to see a very, in this episode, we see a very specific portrayal of native fatherhood and that is absent fathers. I, I laughed at uh, one of the lines that uh, that the mom has where she, I think it might've been in an earlier episode, but you know, Bear's asking about, um, about his, or she's asking him about his dad. And he's like, I've got a dad. And she's like, yeah, broke, broke artist dad. And he's like, oh, it's, he was like, it's a rap. He's a rapper. And she's like, he's still broken. I feel like that is kind of, that is one of those stereotypes, I think, in Indian country that we see. And of course, going back to the title of the film or the the title of the episode, What About Your Dad? Of course, reference to smoke signals and absent fatherhood. I I am curious about this stereotype. uh, And I know that it's a real issue in our communities, broken families and um, through whatever circumstances, because I actually... I I feel like an outsider looking at that specific kind of father relationship because my dad was very involved with all my school activities, all my extracurricular activities. Like my dad is like a coach, you know, like a basketball coach. Like I have a very close, healthy relationship with, with my dad. And so I really feel for Bear who just, he yearns for that. He longs for that. And of course the mom has to protect him from this man who is just not good on his word. He's not, she says in the episode, like he's, if you want him in your life, it's not going to be on your terms. It's going to be on his. And he's not, he's just, he's not a father So, which is why she's got to go get things worked out (laughs) before potentially meeting uh, the father of, of Bear. So I'm curious about this, this specific kind of relationship that, that this causes the disturbances in our native families that this causes anybody want to jump on that i i had the same kind of dad as you you know very involved very supportive my daughter's dad he he was abusive and so the you know at a certain point i had to make the decision as to how much truth i was going to share with her about what kind of person he was and at what age she should know the full picture of him and, you know, looking back, I probably waited too long, but I understand that that struggle in inside about trying to tell the truth about somebody, especially to somebody who looks up to and, you know, really cares about a parent. How, how do you effectively shatter that dream without mm. alienating your child in the process? Mm. It's, it's a tough question. That definitely puts the unfair responsibility of native moms, native motherhood, like being, hey, listen, of- if you want something done, get a native lady. Cause we're going to take care of it. <laughs> always. <laughs> but true. I mean, I'd like to hear from the, the guys, you know, about that missing father figure reliance, father, son relationship. I think, uh, I think we all kind of have the same, I like, you know, parent, fathers who were there like I mean like I know Jason always talks about his dad and maybe he didn't they didn't, maybe they just like me what's that what are you gonna say Jake <laughs> it's, it's a unique situation <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> well all right now we're excited that's what now we're here like, for we're here some, we're here some more deep lay it stuff. out yeah, <laughs> but, the therapist couch here like, all right. yeah. <laughs> but like yeah like my dad you know I I grew up with him and he was like a very strong person in community. Uh, but, you know, you know, like any other father, 
son relationship. And as for like father figure representation in media, especially with the uh, Native American Indian indigenous peoples, I like to see that diversification of father figures. I'm okay with seeing the absent fathers, but I also want to see the single father. And I want to see the father who's uh, raising kids in a two-parent household. And then, you know, sometimes they're even raising uh, kids from previous relationships. And to see that diversification, because right now we're seeing a lot of absent fathers. Like Smoke Signals and this show and other shows where I'm not, you know, seeing the other episodes as they come towards the end, I don't know what the other characters, parent figures are like, if they are, if they have good fathers. But growing up, like, we had, like, within my cousins, maybe, like, uh, two that didn't have fathers, but they had father figures. But I know, like, Hakeem like talks about his being a, uh, raised by a mother. And is Sterling, is he raised by his mother? Or what, what's his story? Do we know his parental? His, his dad's on set all the time. So, I mean, okay. I think. <laughs> Very involved father. <laughs> okay. So so maybe they're I still tie together. I think they're, his parents are like, I think that's a yeah. close. Seems like a close family. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, again, and so maybe that's Taika Waititi influence of the, of the absent father. And so for him, that's real, right? And so, again, that whole thing of what's your experience is not my experience, but Again, it's become a trope to where any person of color doesn't have a father or they're shitty fathers. Yeah. That, you know, being out here in New Mexico, I've met, met some individuals, native, made some friends. I've, it's kind of like been a thing to where I just assume that I'm not going to ask about the father, their fathers until they bring them up. And, and, and it's been a common, not a common trope, but it's been a thing where like, yeah, I could think off the top of my head, there's a couple of my friends, an Navajo friend and a Laguna Pueblo friend, their fathers aren't around. So I think it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's more common than you would think. And it's kind of, I just assume I'm going to let them talk about it. Like if their parents are still together or not. And usually it's not the case. And then my parents, I have a really good relationship with my father now and my mother and my parents are still together. They've been together basically since, you know, since I've been here. So that's like, 49 years that they've been arguing with each other. <laughs> I think they finally got tired of it. And now they're just like, yeah. But no, I mean, like, but at the, I would say the first 40 years of my father's existence, and he was like a broke Indian artist, not a rapper, but a painter. But he was very a wild, hard drinking, honky tonk, rancher, farmer, artist guy. And he was not a good dad. I mean, I, I could say I feel comfortable saying that because after that 40th year, I mean, he basically had to change his life and he just stopped drinking and became a different person, an eccentric Indian guy and not just like a, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a whole other different experience I've gotten to know <laughs> over these last 40, what is he, 73, 74 now? And, um, and in good health. But yeah, it's a different experience now getting to know him. But but those first 40 years, I wouldn't say, well, I would say he was kind of not, he was absent. He wasn't around. It was mostly, you know, I'm, you know, if it wasn't my mom, it was my grandma. I was being raised by women. So yeah, I can partially relate to that experience, like both sides, actually, because I have a really good relationship with my dad now. But the but when we were younger, like we really, or when I was younger, he was, yeah, when we were both, when I was a child and he was my father, it was like not, not the best relationship. Um, yeah, I think that it's more common than you would think, the absent father thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's not common, and I'm sure it's it's I'm sure it's more common all around with any uh, 
uh, race, ethnicity, blah, blah, blah. I think like, at least within me, within these kind of media and these stories representations, I feel like it's not the husband and wife together is not being represented well enough. And, and of course, we got to keep in mind, again, we are the minority of a minority where our stories are not told as often in these larger media sense as other race and cultures, you know. And so we're still really just starting to finally get to tell our, you know, actual stories. Yeah, that's, uh, that was the other thing I was going to lead into is that we have, we were presented with the, with the absent father, which we, we, which we see in native films, we see it come up time after time. And I am, one thing I am glad for, which we'll, we'll get into later is that there is a counterpoint. There will be a counterpoint to the other part of fatherhood and in the story Mm. later, but for right now, like we can see that if there, if there's the, I don't know. Do you think that this, like you said, this trope should, you feel like this trope should be retired, but it is a slice of life. And that is, it is a reality of many of our, of many of our community members, this absent fatherhood. And, and I, you know, I have some artists friends who I think are fathers, but I, I don't think they're present in their, their family's lives as much. Uh, I should have come back with that and say not retired, but at least let's, try to get that balance of, of like these different, and like you said, if it comes back in the episode, the later episode, then I'll have to like, what eat my shoe or whatever, because <laughs> I was sure, wrong okay. about it. <laughs> and because like, <laughs> I think we should have more, because I do want to see those stories. And I, and I, and you know, I have even written those stories of a father who was absent. I mean, like, you know, the first movie I made was about a, a drunk. Again, it was, again, that on retrospect when you watch that movie again it's like all the tropes that indian movies are but at the time we had that we it was the stories we wanted to tell to get those all out kind of like what i felt like was sterling's the first episode of the show and like so there was it was a drunk father who killed the the wife and the kid and the daughter doesn't talk to him and those kind of things and so even i'm like victim to that this script i wrote where it's like oh i'm doing something different because this time it's a white father who is absent (laughs) but it's still an absent father so there's reality to it right you know yeah yeah was was anybody at the sherman alexi uh lecture at ou i mean it's been a while they started talking about in native filmmaking everybody had to you know, kind of set the record straight about what it was pre-colonialism, pre-first contact. So everybody has their film about pre-contact. And then everybody was, you know, talking, making media about, you know, post-colonial contact and all of the horrible things, all, you know, all the trauma porn that we have in our lives. And they were saying, you know, we're really going to know that we made it once we start making genre films like rom-coms and, you know, heist movies and stuff like that. And that means that we've made that stream, that journey through storytelling that we're, we finally made it. Yeah. And it's I thought that like, was an like, interesting concept. That's yeah, what it's totally like psycho, psychotherapy, right? We're, we're dumping all our <laughs> shit until we get to where we want to fucking be. And, <laughs> and, that and I can't wait till we get past all the genre stuff and get into like more niche avant-garde stuff, where it actually discusses high intellectualism and it's like, oh, we've made it. Well, don't we already do a lot of that? I mean, not a lot, but don't we, I mean, we have avant-garde people who do short films. I mean, like, even like- I'm not talking uh, about short films. I'm not talking about short films. We were talking uh, about when we actually get the funds to make, get the 
features and things like that. But it's wouldn't Black Horse kind of fall in that a little bit? I mean, yeah, but it's not there's no budget, not not right oh, now. Oh, you mean to have the but like a David Lynch budget? You're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sorry. fuck? I mean, even yeah, David Lynch can't. Even, I mean, those people can't even get money for those kind of things. But they get more money than they were. The they were hard we did, to get that stuff. So. The last thing we did was I was eating, I was eating pizza on the yeah. set of fuckery that that he bought, and he's shooting it with his own camera. It's like, come on, there's no set, there's no money, there's no there's no budget there. Yeah. Yeah, because like that was 2019. I mean, he made he re- that came out twenty nineteen, I think. I mean, that's where it kind of like uh, like you know, Angela and myself we kind of talk about is those genre kind of having those kind of films be in a genre. I mean, like the, the film we did with the uh, IAIA, mine was a romantic comedy if you remember, and yours yeah, and yours was like uh, just this kind of it was, kind of it was, a, it was a comedy to me. Yeah, but it was it was bad. <laughs> no, good. I like I like what was being said, and I like what, what it what it said, and, and I, it felt like to me. I mean, it felt like a, a Kevin Smith movie, but it's instead of talking, yeah, instead of talking about pop pop culture crap, you're talking about indigenous stuff, like r- relation stuff. And I thought it was a really good. I personally thought it was good. I know Vanya didn't, but <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> I didn't know Vanya didn't. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it, Vanya! <laughs> I've read one of like Angela's script, which was about girl shopping. I think it was right a while back. This is a long time. Or, or it was an idea or, or something that we were going to try to do. But you know, talking about genre films, we do have like two now. We're like, uh, what, uh, the, the what, Wild Indian came out last year at Sundance. And then uh, we have like uh, the Blood Quantum. Blood quantum. Well, yeah. quantum, yeah. I was yeah. wondering yeah. if Blood Quantum counted. I was like, and then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And then after yeah. then, now we have the Night Raiders. So we uh-huh. have, I haven't seen that. Is it good? It's it looks pretty good. good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. These, these are three genre films now that we have. And like I've been waiting for that to happen because I thought I was like, man, once we get we get into that and speak to that. Didn't Wild Indian kind of dip its toe into that trauma porn? It got a little corny. It got a little corny for me, to be quite honest. I, I think the review I wrote kind of hinted at that. Because they, you know, they shot it here, here in Oklahoma. Really? Oh, they yeah, did. There, there are some, yeah, there's some set pieces I, I recognize. Is that Chad, Chad Burst produced that or something? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. Yeah. Cherokee guy from, he's based in Santa Fe, but yeah. He's, but yeah, Wild Indian, I... Definitely. I had some problems with, yeah, there were certain parts that were just like a little corny. And I mean, yeah, Steve, Steve's paintings were in the freaking loft. And uh, what's his name's loft? The, the, the wild, the killer. Did you not, did you, oh, you have, you probably, have you seen it, Kelly? I no, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Wild Indian. Oh, no, oh, you didn't see it. You didn't see it either yet, Angela? I, I just read the script when, when they were trying to get the casting done. Okay. Yeah, they have Steve's paintings. In, on the wall, which I thought was funny, and then um, you know who I was really impressed with is that that guy, uh, Chasky Spencer. Like, there needed to be more of him. There actually needs to be more of him like, everywhere. He's such a good actor. He's a good actor, but you know when he was in y'all's movie, yeah, Shouting Secrets, and yeah. and that was an attempt at just doing like a comedy, family comedy, dramedy maybe, and I don't know if it succeeded. Shouting Secrets was originally written for like an Irish. It was written by a guy from Ireland. It was a, a play. 
and it was about an Irish family. And so when this Swedish director came to us to ask us to rewrite it as a native family, we did like a total like page one rewrite. We thought it was, just, you know, at first we took it as like a real quick jo job that we could do easily, but it became like, well, once we start changing something, oh shit, we have to rewrite the whole thing. And so then it became this whole kind of like the story of family. And there is still those native stereotypical jokes and things in there that, you know, you just fall into those traps, I guess, sometimes when you're writing them. And, you know, it, you know there, there was a period when everyone was trying to write like Sherman, Sherman, what's his name? Sherman and Lexi? Sherman and Lexi. Yeah, Sherilyn. Yeah, Sherilyn. And so, Sherilyn. Yeah. And so, and so there's probably those kind of jokes in there. But anyway, sorry to digress, but we were talking about, what were we talking about? We were, we, we got way off a little bit. We were just talking know. about other movies. We're not even talking we, about yeah, we were talking about, about way other movies. <laughs> Whether all of that's going to be edited out. <laughs> what are some final thoughts about this episode? Uh, I guess some final images that stick with you or final questions or, oh, what are some final sensations and feelings that you all are left with as we end this episode? At the end of this episode, we realize that Bear's father's not, he's just not going to come through with him a total letdown he's not coming for the anti-diabetes greasy fry bread fundraiser we also see her name devery jacobs we see her character also reach a similar conclusion that maybe bear is not as serious as leaving for california as she is because he's just gone and blown a bunch of their money and um we see this connection of like she's coming into her womanhood as well when she hears from bear's mom you know like like we're native women, you know, we're, we're the ones who have to, we're the ones who have kind of have to pick up the pieces. We're the ones who have to get it done, make it work. That's something that I'm left with is like, we have these parallel conclusions that coming of age, growing up, Bear's father's not going to be there for him. Devery's like, Devery's maybe like, maybe my best friend, maybe not be, may not be able to be there for me. Yeah. That pretty much nails it. Uh, I think that the episode accomplished what it wanted to in reflecting that divergence of purpose for the, our characters i gotta say that beating auntie was i mean 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent awesome kim norris man my, my homegirl kim norris is she a friend of yours um, yeah yeah she was in, she came when we did a uh, american Indian graffiti like she was still known as the seinfeld girl she called us out of the blue and said, hey, you're, uh, I see that you're casting for this movie. And we were like, oh, shit. And, and she grew up where I, like, where I live, like in the Idabel area. So I, we always knew of her and knew her and knew her family. And, uh, but she was like, yeah, uh, I see you're great. And I said, we were like, oh, yeah, we are, but we're not paying nothing. <laughs> 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 all that just to say, we can't pay you what you want. Yeah. Sorry, Sag. Sorry, Sag. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, I just want to be, I just want to be a part of it to be in this movie. And so she just like paid her own way down, stayed with a friend and just was in that movie. And, and again, she played an auntie in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's gonna start being uh typecasted as aunties everywhere <laughs> anyway jason what do you got to say it was another uh banger of an episode i watched it again this afternoon <laughs> as the kids say a banger i watched it again this afternoon because i wanted to refresh you know my memory and it's like 
I'm reminded every time I get into the show, it moves so fast and mm-hmm. it moves so fast because it's interesting because it's good. So it's like each, I'm just, yeah, I'm always in awe of like the storytelling that's occurring in these episodes because yeah, I, I it's a pleasure to watch them. We don't have a ton of time to talk about the B story, but yeah, that B story was pretty, pretty good. Like I didn't see that coming in. You know, I'm talking about the uh, bear's mother has that uh, fling with the white guy. That was a really strong B story. Like I thought, the Doctor Danny. Yeah. It almost yeah. like it's almost like an A story to me, but yeah, uh, really, it was really funny here. And then picking up little bits here and there that I didn't pick up before. The country song while she's at the bar is talking about Pulsa. Yeah, Turnpike Troubadours, man. Is that who that is? Yeah, yeah, red okay. Track music. Okay, yeah, it's, I mean, it's about. <laughs> Uh, talking about that, uh, what's the punk rock where the Sex Pistols played? Canes? Yeah, they're talking about that in the song. It's really slight. Like, it's like that. You can hear it in the background. I was like, yeah. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, so, I think the name of the song is Easton and Maine. I mean, it's just interesting to me. I, I'm probably not going to jam out to it, but just the, the lyrics, hearing the little lines, picking out those lines, like those little subtle elements. Attention is paid to every little detail and in the show. So I didn't, I just, I pick up something new each time. That's really refreshing. You know, I was the stand in for cheese during the pilot, the place that they eat catfish, mm-hmm. yeah. the art department, I mean, went above and beyond with all those little touches with all the fake signs that they had stuck up. Like there was a lost horse sign on the door, which yeah. made me laugh every time I walked past it. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's cool. And then we did see a horse at the end of that episode. I wonder if that's related. <laughs> a man riding a horse. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like all of those little touches are just perfect. Yeah. But you don't get to see them explicitly. They just layer on so nicely. The only thing I always wanted to say was just Warren Quiton. I know! Warren. <laughs> it used oh, to be just Warren. a biopic or an episode just on Warren Quito. Yes. Where's the Warren this. episode? Exactly. <laughs> I know. Be Maybe season two. Because <laughs> to me, that dude is legit funny, man. That dude cracks me up oh, all the God. time. I love that cat so much, man. Oh, and, uh, it was just, just yeah. seeing him when he popped up, I just bust out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody probably yelled at the screen yeah 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 and he's such a natural like i knew he was like i know he's funny and walina is funny they're all they're both funny and like with warren like i was i was so shocked at how good he was on film i shouldn't be shocked i should have known he'd be a natural but i'm like he he just he's not even acting like that's not he, he just doing what he does all right so we were real indigenous and we were cutting up as usual (laughs) and uh hope you tune in next time where we will be discussing the next episode of reservation dogs and we want to thank give a big thank you to angela for joining us on zoom and online thank you for making time for just coming and talking with us it's fun cool cool thanks angela yeah you, you help make it cool but I appreciate it. Yeah, give me a call anytime. I love to talk indigenous media. Don't tell us that. You'll be our fourth host. Yeah. Oh, what are we, what are we call Our fourth You take my place. <laughs> <laughs> Just see you next time. Love, peace, and fabric, Reese.